We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. This here is Jason Pat. Ricky O'Donnell is off this week, so in with me, we have Mark Karansoulis of Bulls HQ, also a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I figured with Ricky gone, uh, I'd get another Blue Wire guy in here. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for thanks for coming on again. Thanks for having me, man. I'll do my best to uh, do my best Ricky impersonation. I'm not sure if I'll be able to throw out as many uh, swear words as Ricky typically does, <laughs> but um, I'll do my best. Yeah, so today uh, the, the schedule is out. We are getting closer and closer to the season. We're in kind of the dead part of the offseason, early early, early to mid-August, but the, the Bulls and the entire NBA released their full schedule uh, on Monday afternoon. Obviously, there's 82 games, 41 home, 41 road, but obviously there's all these quirks and all this fun stuff with the schedule. The Bulls will open their 2019-20 season uh, on the road against the Charlotte Hornets. A uh, very winnable game there. And they go to Memphis the next game, I believe, a couple nights later. And then their home opener is against the defending champion Toronto Raptors. Obviously, no Kawhi Leonard or Danny Green. But if you, I mentioned the uh, the Hornets being a very winnable opener. One of the, I think, things we're looking at with this new with this bull schedule is that the beginning of their season looks kind of soft. And uh, for a team, the, the Bulls coming off a terrible 22 win season that. People, some people have some higher hopes for them going into this next season, especially after this offseason. Maybe they could get off to a nice little start. What do you, what are you thinking here about the schedule in general and about how they can start off this next season with possibly a little softer schedule? Yeah, well, the league has certainly given the Bulls a bit of a handball here in the sense that they have given them a bit of a cupcake schedule through at least October, but definitely the first through through the first few games in November as well. So as you sort of mentioned, at Charlotte, the first game at Memphis, then you got the Toronto Raptors at home, but then after that you got the Knicks and then the Cavs. So four of those five teams are essentially going to be definitely below 500 teams, possibly even you know four of the five or six worst teams in the league. So there's a good opportunity here for the Bulls to actually get off this season with a few wins and if they're they're trying to head towards the playoffs then this is a pretty good platform to sort of set their season up the right way I guess because obviously if you have a bit of a light schedule uh, up front you're going to have some tougher games down the back and that's certainly true for the Bulls through the back end of March and April where their schedule is quite brutal actually so if the aim is playoffs this season and I'm, I'm assuming that's what I guess the team will be hoping for and Jim Boylan will certainly be hoping for that 
then they sort of need to set the platform for themselves early in this season and, and the schedule looks like it's uh, going to allow itself to do so, assuming the Bulls are good enough. Yeah, and you mentioned that that back end of the season, how it uh, get, turns into quite a gauntlet there. The back end, they have their longest road trip of the season, basically at the end of March going into April, going out west. Uh, I feel like that, the late season West Coast road trip, I don't remember, really remember having them having that kind of road trip. Basically, basically at the end of the season, they... It's, I think they go to Utah, Denver. They play both LA teams, and I think the Suns are mixed in there. And then they come come back home for a couple games, and they, they finish the season. I think it's like Nets, Magic, or it's like Magic Nets, and then at Boston. So obviously that last game of the regular season is it should probably be a tough one. I guess maybe you hope that those teams, if they're locked into playoff spots, maybe there's a little load management going on there. But either way, if the Bulls, if the Bulls are going to be in a playoff hunt, if they're going to be, if they're going to, if they're going to need wins down the stretch, it's they're going to really have to earn that against those teams. Even if they are, even if those teams are resting some players, I mean, those are obviously some of the probably best teams in the league when you're looking at Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, Nuggets. I mean, those are possibly four of the five, four of the top teams in the West, possibly. And I mentioned the Celtics at the last game. Like, just imagine, I, I wrote, I did an article on the schedule for Best Chicago, and just, and I, I uh, highlighted that that Celtics game, that season that season finale. Just like imagine if the Bulls need to go, have to go to Boston to win a game to get into the playoffs and like get an eight seed or however the however that's it, that shakes out. Obviously, still kind of a long shot at this point, depending on how you feel about this upcoming Bulls season. But uh, with all like the, the Boston, I guess, like rivalry that the Bulls have kind of had, and I know some of us fans and bloggers have had with the Celtics and liking to rib them. That'd be pretty pretty a lot of fun if uh if it's Bulls Celtics for the for a Bulls playoff spot that last game of the year. Yeah, I mean it, it could come down to that, but I mean the last seventeen games that they have of the season are essentially against mostly five hundred yep. teams, depending on how you feel about the, the Orlando Magic. But even then you've got the Knicks and the Suns in um sort of littered throughout that seventeen game stretch, but that's only two teams of those seventeen games that you sort of would expect to be below five hundred. Again, depending how you feel about the uh, the Orlando Magic, who is the second last game of the season. You mentioned the the Celtics that potentially being a critical game for the Bulls trying to get into the playoffs, assuming they're good enough. But a team like the Magic is a team that they'll be competing for one of those last few spots in the playoffs with as well. So it could come down to that Boston game. But that that game 81 against the Magic could be pretty critical as well in the sense that not only are they trying to play for a playoff spot, that but they may actually be trying to nudge out someone like the Magic in, in favour of, of their own team there. So it's going to be a pretty tough stretch that last sort of 15 to 17 games as I mentioned only the Knicks and, and the Suns are really the the gettable games as such the rest are against Denver Philadelphia Utah the Lakers Clippers those sorts of teams so it's, it's going to be super tough yeah I guess the hope you have as a Bulls fan is like if the, even they have the softer start to kind of start the year and maybe they'll that's when they're going to need maybe a little time they have to work in some of their their new players with Thad Young Sadoransky and all that they're still kind of trying to figure out so then I, I guess you hope that by the end of the season, maybe they're peaking. And obviously this is still, I guess, the optimistic view, but hopefully by then they've maybe come together. They've bought into whatever Jim Boylan and company is selling that they're, that they finished the season strong. Because yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting. Are there any other, other games on the schedule that you, you're really looking at that you're really looking forward to? I mean, it's too early for me to be doing that thus far. I, I'll, I'll always look forward to seeing Jimmy Butler come back, yep. and particularly now that he's in Miami. So I've, I've all, I'm already penciled those Miami games, so they're always going to be fun to me. But um, I, I think I'm interested in seeing 
I guess the new look teams more so how than how they relate to the Bulls or affect the Bulls. So even like the Warriors, for example, I'm interested to see when they come to town how that will look or um, even some of these younger teams that have been remodeled. Definitely the games against Atlanta. Again, I think the Hawks are a team that are sim- on a similar path to the Bulls where games against the Hawks, games against the Magic, these sorts of teams that are sort of in the same vicinity as the Bulls, which the Heat are as well with Jimmy Butler. So I think those games are critical not only to... The, the Bulls' playoff positioning, I suppose, uh, assuming they're good enough to do that. But I think they've, they've, all those teams that are sort of just listed there are potentially fun, exciting teams, and I want to see how the Bulls stack up against them, particularly from a rebuilding point of view. So those Hawks games uh, in particular, I think last season, they were that were some of the more fun games that we had last season to, to compare the Bulls versus the Hawks and the rebuild and how that was sort of progressing. So I want to do that again this season. But yeah, beyond that, it's more the games against the new look teams, the, the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, I want to see what they look like with Kyrie again. Uh, obviously, they have no Durant, but they'll be one of the teams that will be in the mix for the you know the six, seven, eight slot. I would I would assume. So I want to see how they fare as well when they come to Chicago. So they're the ones I'm trying to focus in on obviously there's some league pass teams that we all have that we'll all be watching but i think for if we're thinking about just purely from a bulls point point of view i'm really interested to see how they sort of compete against those teams in their similar bracket yeah the jimmy one definitely the heat i i picked some games for the special chicago article as well uh I picked the heat that november 22nd game against the heat lakers obviously they come to the united center early just to see how lebron and I'm thinking maybe that they're going to be a team that they're going to be kind of working through some maybe some chemistry issues. Maybe the Bulls can kind of surprise them earlier in the year. I'm just kind of hoping the Rockets, they play the Lakers and Rockets, like that one of those first weeks of the season. Uh, so those will be interesting games. Obviously the Clippers later in December. February 6th, the game against the Pelicans against Zion Williamson. That should be hopefully a lot of fun. The Pelicans got a ton of national TV games, and we'll talk about that with the Bulls in a bit as well, about national TV games. I'm looking forward to the Zion-Pelicans game, and the Pelicans should be really interesting just in general, even besides Zion, but that should be fun. Uh, the Bulls do have a Martin Luther King Day game against the, at, the, at Milwaukee, so that should be that should be fun. Let's transition into the national TV thing. One of the running gags, things that I'd like to talk about, and I know Cody Westland, the score is always on top of his, top of this is the TNT Bulls hashtag TNT Bulls that I think they have a streak of I think it's 20 straight win home game regular season wins on TNT but they haven't been on TNT for the last couple years because they've been they're rebuilding they're they've been bad I thought this season they would get at least one I wasn't expecting a lot of national TV games I thought they'd get one home TNT game like I don't know if that I'm sure the NBA does it or maybe they do maybe they do are aware of this goofy ash TNT Bulls streak, but they did not get any TNT games. Uh, they got one ESPN game. It's January 17th at Philadelphia, which obviously that should be a pretty fun game as well. And then they got three NBA TV games. So they only have four, basically, national TV games and only one major one with that one ESPN game. Are you surprised that they didn't get maybe a few more? I, I know they were bad last year, but they still, they're still they still in a big market. They're a team I feel like a lot of people are a bit more a bit higher on them going into this season. Are you a little surprised that they they didn't get more national TV games? Because I thought they were going to get at least a little more. Yeah, mate, a little bit, I guess. Uh, obviously, we're all predicting or hoping that the Bulls will be a little bit better this season. Definitely, fingers crossed that's the case because we don't want to relive last season again. But, um, look, I'm not shocked. I, I, I wouldn't say that as such. But I, I would have expected maybe one or two more games. Maybe the Pelicans coming in and sort of coming out of nowhere with their, when they landed Zion. And obviously, Zion being such a draw that... 
maybe he has sort of taken a few games or that that team has sort of taken a few games away from teams like the Bulls as, as such. But I don't know, like, for example, the Knicks, do they have many games? I'll be pretty annoyed if the Knicks have games and the Bulls don't. I, I don't, I'm not 100% sure across what the Knicks schedule is and how many games they have on, on, a, on a bigger broadcast. I'm not 100% sure on that. But if for whatever reason they did have more, I'd be pretty annoyed about that. But I'm not too surprised at this point. I think the Bulls have to prove it to, to everyone, really, not just us Bulls fans, but in a lot of ways to, to the, uh, the revenue makers, I suppose, that they're a justifiable product to put on the floor and I guess if you go based on what they've done the last two seasons no real there's no real production to sort of suggest that they deserve anything more than what they've been given at this point but obviously things can change this season and, and I guess my question is do, do they have the ability to be flexible and sort of switch up some of these games uh, I think that that'll be interesting to note I think they've done that in the past yeah, occasionally but um, maybe that happens yeah, that'd be that would be nice. Hopefully they are better, and especially with those, some of those big games against good teams down the stretch. Maybe they do get some of those flexed out. To your point about like the Knicks, I got the, I got the national TV just list pulled up right here. So the teams with the fewest in the league, the Hornets, not a surprise. They have one TNT game, two NBA TV games, so they have three total. The Cavs, one ESPN game, two NBA TV games, so those two teams both have three. Then there's the Bulls with four. The Wizards have four. I think the, and then the Grizzlies have four as well. Again, I feel like that's not a surprise with the Wizards and Grizzlies, Cavs, or Hornets. I feel like those are all just lower teams, smaller markets. The Knicks have six this season. They have one on ESPN, two on TNT, three on NBA TV. I thought I feel like that would have made a little more sense for the Bulls. Maybe, like I said, add another TNT game or add one more ESPN game. If they would have had whatever. I thought they'd, like I said, I thought they'd get at least one TNT game. Unfortunately, they're not. I, I guess it's almost surprising that the Knicks are this low. I can't remember what they were at last year because I feel like one of the like big things with, with like the Knicks and the Lakers, even when they've been terrible like the last few years, that they they were on national TV all the time still. And now the Knicks finally are way down way down on the list. At least they, I think they finally realized to stop putting this stupid terrible team on national TV. So yeah, I I, I would have I thought the Bulls would maybe get a few more games, but I guess they they have to earn it. They still have to show out and prove that they can do it. And like you said, maybe they they wind up flexing some of these games. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I'm, at least the Knicks aren't getting that many games, and that makes me a little bit more comfortable. That's always my go-to whenever I'm thinking about this. I'm always comparing the Bulls to the Knicks in that sense, and I guess it's good. No one really wants to see 19 power fours running around on the court, so I'm glad that the NBA is sort of gone away from the Knicks here. I'm pretty sure they've lost their Christmas game as well, if, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah, uh, that makes me a little bit more comfortable with the whole situation. I was hoping for a few more, because I just, because I just love bringing up the TNT Bulls thing. It's just a bummer that it's, we have to wait another year for it, because I just, it's always just a fun thing to track. I, it was, I like, I don't, I don't want to like totally take credit for the TNT Bulls things, I, I, but I feel like I was definitely, it was like me and or Cody were like one of the first few. Was, I feel like I, just, I remember, it was like a couple years ago, where yeah. I just I just like, they kept winning these damn games like they even when they were like a mediocre team they'd they'd welcome in whatever like some of the best teams in the league and they'd somehow win these games they'd be like shorthanded or they they'd play a really good team that they had no business winning and they won all these damn games so I feel like I just started deciding like do they have some streak going here and I like started looking back I was like holy shit they like have not lost one of these games I can't I'd, I'd have to look up the article I wrote about it a while ago but I'm pretty sure they haven't lost one of those games since like. 2014 maybe 2013 like it's absolute it's absolutely ridiculous so i just want why i want one of those games to happen again because it adds another fun fun layer to, the, to watching the bulls 
Besides some of the games we've mentioned, a few other facts, I guess, if we're looking at the schedule, they have 12 back-to-backs. I know the league is really working hard to try to limit those back-to-backs, limit those five games and seven nights type of deal. The Bulls have 12 back-to-backs. That's uh, down from 12. The, the league average is 12.4, so they're a little below that. Uh, there are a couple really. There are a couple guys on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen these guys. One guy's name is uh, it's Ed Cooper, and then there's an account Positive Residual. They do a ton of great, a great work looking at like the rest days and and uh, the schedules and like coming out with like who has like rest advantages and disadvantages. And I they tweet all this stuff out, and they have all these fun graphs and charts and like apps and stuff like that. Uh, and if you look at that, the Bulls actually have the biggest average rest advantage in the league. I'm not, I'm not totally sure how to exactly explain that, but I think just over the course of the year, if you look at all their games and in terms of like the rest that they have in between games, it turns out the average amount is is bigger than the rest of the league, so I guess that is a positive. Uh, they also have the fewest true rest, quote-unquote, disadvantage games, so again, I think that's also a positive, and I think that kind of helps their case. Uh, they have the third fewest miles traveled in the league. They're flying just under 40,000 miles over the course of this full season, so again, I feel like... The, with the travel, the Bulls, uh, uh, the NBA has done themselves uh, has, has done the Bulls some favors, I guess, this year, which is nice. And then, based on the Vegas over/unders, they have the 21st ranked string of the schedule. Obviously, some of that will change as the over/unders, as people bet on stuff and things change. I and mean, we've seen the Bulls, uh, the Bulls over/unders have already jumped up a few wins since those since those have opened. They're in like the low 30s, depending on where you look. I, I was looking around yesterday; they were at like 32 and a half, 31 and a half. I know uh, the Westgate, I did an article at Bet Chicago a couple weeks ago. They opened at 33 and a half there. So I feel like team uh, after kind of after their terrible season, I feel like at least Vegas and these odds places are kind of feeling good about the Bulls. We've seen a lot of national people, uh, uh, like, like us, we've been pretty positive about the Bulls. Given that, I mean, and looking at the schedule, how it's kind of shaking out, some of these advantages they do have. Uh, does this make you feel better about the Bulls possibly winning more games and possibly getting into the playoff one? And I guess, do you think that I, – I, I don't want to – I don't know if I want to ask this right now, Dick. Do you think they'll actually make the playoffs? But I guess just based on the schedule and all these all these little quirks in it, are you feeling a bit better about their chances this season? Uh, I think you have to to a degree. I think ultimately the, the season will hinge on injuries as it always does, as it has the last couple seasons. But also I think Jim Boylan is probably the biggest key coming up to this season, more so than some of these players because of – I mean, ultimately, he, he holds the he holds the keys as to how the Bulls are going to play, how they're going to operate on the floor. So he, in a large part, he is probably the biggest variable in how this whole thing plays out. But I think based on all the external factors, those of which you can't necessarily control, you mentioned that, that the Bulls uh, strength of schedule there. Obviously, it will change throughout the year, but having the 21st ranked uh, strength of schedule is pretty favorable for a team. That's obviously been well below 500 the last few years. So we've mentioned the, the, the lead-up into the season, the games that they have and how many winnable games there are there. There's just certain things like that that are lining up that are enabling this team to have a pretty good run at it. Obviously, it'll be up to them to, to make sure they, they, they uh, do something positive with it. Obviously, like I said, that will come down to Boylan and the team. But I think based on the things that they can't control or based on the things that the league have already given them, then it's kind of shaping up pretty well for the Bulls, but it'll be up to the team now to maximize that. But I'm, I don't know if it's changed my slants on, on how I view them as a playoff team. I think it probably definitely does improve it to a degree, but at the same point, it, it depends on how you view them as a playoff team. I had them sort of as a 34 to 37 win team. 
uh, coming into this season, I guess. That's where I loosely projected it based on nothing but uh, my, um, you know, my, my model in my in my brain sort of thing. So there's nothing scientific about it going into it. But I, maybe this, maybe the the schedule, maybe the strength of the schedule, maybe that bumps it up to to the higher side of 37. Maybe that becomes more likely. But even then, that's a pretty significant leap from last season or or even the season before. They only won 27 games. So I'm not predicting the playoffs i think it's definitely possible and i'm certainly not ruling it out but i think if we're playing the probability game then i think it's probably more likely that they just miss out but um as long as they're improving that's all i really care about to be honest with you yeah totally with you um looking at ble- and a bleach report with they did a big article guy andy bailey uh did like a win-loss prediction for every team after the schedule was, re- was released and he has the bulls at 36 like that makes a ton of sense let me i know 538 well, last I checked, 538's projections, I think, had the Bulls at, uh, like, 37 wins. I've seen some other uh, statistical models out there with them in, like, the mid to high 30s. So I, feel like, I feel like that seems like a pretty – like, I mentioned Vegas has them more in, like, the low 30s, but I feel like te- uh, bettors have been betting them upwards. So I feel like the mid 30s right now is probably a very reasonable expectation for this team. And, again, like you mentioned, like, if that, that would show pretty significant improvement – I know there are the optimistic fans out there, and I know when we have you on, we always got to give a shout-out to C-Red uh, Fred, Mr. Optimism himself. And I know he's already predicting like a 10-0 start to the season, basically, and, and his whole prophecy and all that stuff. But even, like, whatever. I, there are fans that are going to be super optimistic. But I think a lot of the reasonable, just level-headed analysis right now has the Bulls making a pretty significant leap this season, whether it's playoffs or not. Looking like a team that could that, that could win whatever ten to fifteen more games in this past season, which again I feel like the bar isn't that high considering just how bad they were last season. But if they can if they get to thirty six wins and are in contention for a playoff spot towards the, towards the end of the season, I feel like that's a huge win, especially depending I guess also depending on what we see from some of the young guys and if we see specific individual development there, but. Yeah, I feel like just a lot of these places are kind of are, are trending a little higher on the Bulls, and it's and just kind of nice to see that after just especially in like the middle of last season, things were just looking like they there was just nothing going for this team. The boiling disaster, they were getting their ass beat basically every night. They they had that streak in like what was it, was like January, I think December, January, where they had lost like 14 out of 15 or something like that. Just all all hope looked like it was lost, but. Now the the arrow seems to be possibly pointing up a little bit, which is nice. Yeah, I mean definitely. And look, we we spent a good time here talking about the schedule and how how it's played out favorably for the Bulls and how it may lead to maybe them having a better chance at the playoffs. But ultimately, their real chance of the playoffs comes down to internal development, which you sort of, sort of just spoke about there. And I think sometimes we forget how little this core has sort of played together. I know that was sort of the, the talking point through the first season of the rebuild, given that Zach Levine missed the majority of the season after coming back from the ACL, and it was really only, at that point at least, Chris Dunn and Larry Markman playing together. But even even last season with Wendell Carter missing half the season, I don't know if you want to include Chandler Hutchinson as part of the core. I certainly don't, but I know people, some people do. He missed half the season. Obviously, Chris Dunn sort of fell out of favour. He missed a lot of games. Larry missed games. So there's still a lot that we don't know about this core as a group. So they haven't played a lot of minutes together. So I think whilst the playoffs would be be nice, I'm just trying to, at this point, learn what we actually have with these players and just learn how they sort of gel together because we didn't actually see Lowry and Wendell out there much together last season. We saw a bit of Zach and Wendell out out there together. We saw a bit of Zach and Lowry out there together, but we didn't see them 
all, all three of those guys sort of combined out there for too long. Obviously, Otto Porter came through late as well. So there's still a lot of unknowns about this Bulls team. And I think just seeing the guys out there and hopefully remaining healthy and developing as a group and, and seeing if it can all work as a group, I think that's probably the primary focus that we as fans should have going into this season because playoffs doesn't really matter if that sort of stuff doesn't really come together. So I think that's what we should be focusing on first. But um, if that all comes together as we hope, then uh, I think playoffs is a possibility. Yeah, and you mentioned Wendell Carter. I feel like it's easy for a lot of people to forget about him and how he missed basically with the last couple months of the season. I want to give a shout out to Coles Wicker at the Stepien wrote a beast beast of a column. I have not read it all, but I saw it come across Twitter. I've kind of skimmed through it. It's talking about Wendell Carter is titled Wendell Carter, Wendell Carter, the second year breakout player, just a deep dive breakdown uh, of Wendell Carter. And I mean, I feel he's going to be just a super important player. Like I said, he we, he kind of he kind of falls by the wayside. You kind of might forget about him because he had that injury. Uh, and when the Bulls were playing really well in February, that Wendell was out. Robin Lopez was playing really well, uh, and you just kind of forget about him. But he he's going to be coming back. I know he had this surgery. Hopefully, he doesn't have uh, any like long term issues with that surgery. Hopefully, he he finally had that surgery fixed. Some issue that I guess has been bugging him for a while. And hopefully we see him kind of, I don't know if I'm going to expect like a huge breakout, but he also had some quotes recently about how he wants to do more on offense, about how he wants to kind of diversify his offensive game. Because I feel like he was kind of, he was kind of boxed in with, with, with his, I feel like with his offensive game as a rookie, like we didn't, there were a lot of post-ups. We really didn't get to see him do that much passing. We didn't get to see him do that much outside shooting. So I really hope like he's going to be a guy I feel like he's going to be really important, not only offensively, obviously defensively as that defensive anchor. And a guy like that, if he can somehow, if he can somehow take a big leap and him and Lowry build some chemistry together, that's going to be, it's going to be huge for them. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, that, and that's, that's exactly my point. I mean, we we barely saw those guys play together. And if those two guys are the pillar of the rebuild, then we don't really have much data to go on. We're sort of just theorizing based on potential and not only their individual potential, but their potential as a as a two-man unit. It seems on paper that they make sense together. And I'm assuming it will on the court, but maybe it doesn't for whatever reason. But uh, it should all work out. But I, I guess that's why I was kind of... Uh, I kind of annoyed with Fred Hoiberg being fired last season because there was a stretch there where Wendell was actually beasting for the Bulls and it was so early in the season, it was it was in October, November that we've sort of forgotten about it as you sort of mentioned there that he had a stretch of games, I think it was 9 of 12 games where he scored in double figures, he was putting up double doubles in his 8th game of his career, he had 25 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks and 3 steals and that was against Nikola Jokic yep. in only his 8th game of his career. We forget about that because it was so long ago when and when Boylan sort of took over, you could see his visibly, his confidence sort of wane under Boylan and his game changed. So I, th- I think we really do sleep on Wendell to a degree. And I th- look, I'm hoping he's over his injury and he hasn't missed too much time to the point where he can sort of bounce back and hit the ground running and and just really make something of this season because he's going to be pretty damn critical given that the Bulls don't have a lot of great defensive players on the roster. They don't have much depth at center behind Wendell, at least experienced depth with Rollo now gone. So he's going to be pretty critical to the Bulls going forward. But I'm interested to see what he does because I think there are a lot of members of the fan base who have who have slept on Wendell. And, and you mentioned Coles Wicker's piece there. I've got him coming up on the next Bulls HQ. I'm going to be talking about Wendell quite a bit. So I'm looking forward to that because uh, I could wax poetic about Wendell for you know five hours straight, I reckon. That's awesome. I'll be looking looking forward to that. Before we move on, now that we're kind of done talking about schedule, we'll talk about some other just kind of Bulls 
knickknacks and stuff like that, let's uh, take a quick word from our sponsor. This may be a basketball podcast, but football season is here, people. It's time to start placing your bets for the NFL and college football. Blue Wire is teaming up with sports information traders and the legend John Price, one of the world's most successful sports bettors. So our listeners are given the chance to make more money at football this season. So go to sportsinformationtraders.com slash blue and get the college football and NFL futures plays and make up to 15 times your money for only a $99 investment. Last year, sports information traders correctly predicted the Clemson Tigers to win the college football championship, making one client alone 110 grand. And the year before that, Kurt Presley of sports information traders made $1 million with a preseason wager on the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl. John Price and the sports information traders team can guide you on the best ways to make money on futures bets and preseason football betting picks. You get all that for just $99 and the opportunity to make 15 times your money. It's totally worth getting Sports Information Traders betting picks. Sports Information Traders has been featured in ESPN, Gambling911.com, Entrepreneur Magazine, and many more. John Price has been successfully making money betting on sports for over 20 years. To make a big return for a small investment with Sports Information Traders futures picks, to get started now by going to SportsInformationTraders.com slash blue. Again, make sure you go to sportsinformationtraders.com slash blue to have your chance at 15 times return this football betting season. All right, and we're back here, Cash Considerations Podcast, Chicago Bulls Podcast. Jason Pat here. We got Mark from Bulls HQ in place of Ricky today. All right, so we've talked a bit about the beginning of this podcast, about the schedule, about looking ahead at the team. Let's Let's go back in time a little bit. Me and Ricky weren't able to uh, really address this on our last pod that we did. Uh, It was about Carmelo Anthony, who recently did like a tell-all interview with with Stephen A. Smith on ESPN. And he had, I don't know if this, I feel like this was kind of newsy a bit. Uh, Stephen A. was talking about like him, Carmelo, going to possibly teaming up with Miami, uh, with LeBron and D-Wade in Miami and how all the big three should have been them. But then in 2014, obviously the Bulls were making a big play for Melo. They were hoping he was going to be their last, their, the big superstar piece to put them over the top. They fell short because he wound up back with the Knicks. And Melo in this interview basically said that he was ready to sign with the Bulls, but that there there was some whispers behind the scenes that kind of turned him off. From what I could tell, the whisper, I think a lot of people figured that the whispers were about the Tom Thibodeau, uh, front office beef and how there, he wasn't. He probably started to get whispers that Thibs might not be there for that long. And obviously, Thibs got ended up getting uh, fired after the 2014-15 season that was full of drama and kind of just a kind of annoying season. So I guess just looking back at that, I I wrote an article at Forbes about a quick article at Forbes about this. About what if Melo actually would have chosen the Bulls? Do you think they dodged a bullet there? Do you think like do you think they actually would have won anything? I feel like it, it, I like go back and forth on it because like they didn't get Melo. Melo has gone downhill. He's not in the league right now. He's the last couple of years he's looked absolutely washed, and that's why he doesn't have a team right now. On the other hand, the Bulls didn't win anything with with what they did. They in that year, the 2014-2015 year, they won 50 games. They did have LeBron's Cavs on the ropes, uh, and then they blew it in the second round of the playoffs, and then basically just went totally downhill after that. With the ne- the first season of Hoiberg was terrible, the three alphas was a disa- basically a disaster, and then they and they went full rebuild. So, would you would you think how I guess how, what do you think would have happened if if Melo would have chosen the Bulls? 
Well, I, th- I think it's 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 fun to think about. A lot of people like to point out that you, if you pair Rose, Noah, Butler, and, and Mallow, and, and whoever else you want to throw at a power forward, that you've got a pretty damn good unit. And I, I guess in theory, maybe you do. But the, the first thing that I always think about is, it, w- does Jimmy Butler ever become right. Jimmy Butler if you bring in Carmelo Anthony? I think that's something people don't mention enough because... Butler exploded that season. That was his first season, I guess, coming out of the star. He was an all-star that season. He was able to do that in, in large part because Derek still missed games and he was still able to be on the ball, still able to get you know 15 or 20 shots when he wanted at times. And, and I guess because the Bulls had Power Gasol, a different player, obviously, to Mello, a guy that did his scoring in different spots, I think it enabled Jimmy Butler to be the player that he eventually became to the point where, obviously, the Bulls are in a rebuild now. The Bulls can't necessarily trade Jimmy Butler for what they did in a rebuild to Minnesota if they don't allow Jimmy Butler to be that, which I'm saying probably doesn't happen if they bring in Carmelo Anthony. So I don't think it's as simple as saying replace Pau Gasol with Carmelo Anthony and you're beating LeBron in the Cavs and you go into the finals against the Warriors, whatever it is. I, I don't see it that way. Another thing I always think about is Mallow was a power forward at that point, and right. I don't think Mallow wanted to be a power forward at that point. So... Having a combination where you've got Rose, Butler, and Mallow at one, two, and three, it's, it's so many It's so many guys on the perimeter wanting shots from the perimeter, and you've got nothing on the inside at all. I don't think it was sustainable at all. I think there would have been problems at some point. So I, I don't think it ever worked. It uh, would have worked rather. I don't think it necessarily nets anything better than what the Bulls ultimately did. I think that was probably their best shot at beating LeBron anyway. But I guess it comes down to a simple math equation of do you prefer Mallow over Powell and Nikola Mirotic because that's what it would have had to have been. But I think it goes beyond that as well in terms of chemistry and shot shot creation and shot attempts and just that balance on offense. So I was never a big Mallow fan, so I'm I'm going to say it probably doesn't work, but I, I definitely know there are people out there who obviously disagree with me. I feel like just given how it went for the Bulls, like I would have would have loved to, I guess, at least have seen it possibly happen. Was, I feel like that team would have had a ton of hype. Uh, who, like I said, I feel like they probably would have had a similar record, probably, just working, like you mentioned, the chemistry issues. The Butler thing is definitely huge. Was Butler one most improved player that year? I think he got his big contract the next year. I feel like, and was, Butler was coming off, like, a pretty bad season. I think he was injury-prone or plagued. He had, like, that foot issue, I think, throughout the 2013-2014 season. I guess one thing, another thing I'm curious about, curious about was I feel like the the note, the Joakim Noah aspect of this would have been interesting because I feel like getting Powell was uh, the Powell Noah thing was hotly debated at that time. What like sh- should they have gotten? Because Powell was basically another center. I know they played those two together, and a lot of people thought that it wasn't the best fit. I was certainly one of those guys. Like, would Noah have maybe been better if they were playing like a small? If they did play Mellow at the four, if they were still playing like Taj, I know they wanted to keep Taj. I don't know if that would have actually been possible. Uh, if Mellow would have actually taken less money, uh, who knows? But if they would have maybe gone played a smaller lineup, would like would that have helped Noah's career if they were playing uh, whatever Rose Butler, another insert wing here, Mellow at the four, and then Noah at the five, playing where he was best and being that same guy. I know he he had that. He also had that. That uh, I think the knee injury had that quote unquote minor knee surgery, and it just kind of went downhill for Joe there. Like I am curious how that would have worked out if they would have gone small. If Noah, so if maybe that would have helped him more. I mentioned Taj. Like I'm curious what would have happened with him. You mentioned Miritich. Like I I wonder if there was another way they would have been able to bring him over if they would have been able to work out a way where they'd still be able to bring him over in the mid level exception. Like, there's so many different like layers to these what if scenarios. That would have been a lot of fun to see. Like, as so considering the fact that the Bulls did kind of go in the tank anyways, like, 
and Tibbs got fired. I, and, and I guess the whole Tibbs thing, too. Like, what would have happened there? Because Tibbs in the front office, obviously, they were kind of at each other's throats. But I know Tibbs and Mello were both, I think they had a really good relationship. Like, if Mello went, would that have eased some of the tension there with Tibbs? Like, would he have stayed longer? Something to consider as well. Like, there's, there's just so much going on there. And it's these things are always fun to think about. Uh, especially in the middle of whatever, July, August, when there's not that much else to think about. So I, it was definitely a fun scenario. I'm glad Mello brought it up. That whole interview was just kind of super interesting with Mello, almost like desperately asking to get back into the league. And then he drops this bomb about the Bulls. Like, I am, I, I am kind of curious, though, because like I said, he didn't really specify what those whispers were. A lot of people assumed it was Tibbs. Like, I wonder if he was hearing others, like, bad stuff about the front office. Like, I feel like it, was, it sure seemed like that it didn't really reflect well on them, that, that, that he, like, wanted to sign there, and then he starts hearing this bad stuff about them. So that, that was also just really interesting to me. Yeah, it's it's a weird one because, I mean, to me, I'm glad it didn't happen. I think the Bulls, it was probably one of their best non-moves in a sense. Not that it was necessarily in their control, but yep. sometimes the, the moves you don't make are often the best ones. And I think, you know, we've seen how it's played out for Mallow after he signed that deal. Obviously, it's a, a different circumstances because he took a five-year deal with the Knicks. It only would have been a four-year deal, assuming he came over for the max length. Maybe he would have signed a two-year deal with the Bulls. So it's kind of hard to comment on it without knowing what he would have actually signed on. But assuming he, he, he signed a, a four-year deal, it, it would have been problematic. Obviously, we'd still the rebuild wouldn't be here right now. So yeah. it, it just changes literally everything. But back to the point that I was, I was going to make... Uh, it's just funny to see that the, the that Bulls manager's best move, in a sense, is the one that they didn't make, but they made it, in a sense, because uh, of, of the turmoil that they sort of had going internally. So uh, maybe it would have been better to get Mallow from a standpoint of saying, well, you've got, you finally got that star. Maybe, maybe it sort of paves the way in future years where teams are more considerate of the Bulls in terms of bringing star players or they're more willing to go there because obviously they had brought in someone like Mallow. Maybe Mallow could have said some good things. Obviously, for whatever reason, players really respect and, and adore Mallow. So I don't know. Maybe if, if maybe if the best case scenario sort of played itself out, it, it would have had a, a different uh, permutation for the Bulls. Maybe instead of going down the rebuilding path, they'd be more of a player in free agency and could rebuild through free agency. Maybe it'd be a completely different scenario. So... There's so many what ifs with this particular this particular question that I, it sort of leads you down a million paths depending on which one you want to take. It's it's almost like a goosebumps book from back in the days. But um, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. Look, personally, I would I'm glad they avoided it. They avoided it because of their own incompetence. Uh, I think at that point there was the, the rumblings of Tibbs and, and and management sort of fighting were definitely clear at that point. So whilst Mallard didn't expressly say Tibbs, I, I think it's fair to assume that's who it was referring to. Definitely, and uh, I, I feel like you mentioned the rebuild, and like it would have looked a lot different. I feel like they probably, at this point, probably would have wound up rebuilding. I guess, I guess you never know what other follow moves if if, if they would have brought in more stars, if they would have been able to lengthen out their c- competing. I kind of feel like they'd probably be, with Melo going down the path that he had. I mean, maybe with the Bulls, maybe with more help, quote unquote, help there, maybe his career would have lengthened out more maybe he would have been better going longer but i feel like by by now they maybe they'd just be starting a rebuild now so many questions uh that's enough camaro anthony he's I, I he's probably i don't know think anyone's gonna sign him at this point he can't even team usa is not even taking him it's almost sad it just it, i guess it is funny to wrap up this point how Melo's last nba team could be the bulls even though he never played with them how funny is that <laughs> well, I mean, it's a perfect circle in, in some respects for a lot of fans, I suppose. But um, the Bulls finally get their superstar. <laughs> exactly.
Uh, before we wrap up here, uh, like I said there's really not, not that much else has been, has been going on with the Bulls. Kobe White had his – he just signed with Adidas today. I, I guess interesting choice after being at North Carolina and Jordan Brand and all that stuff. I guess, I really don't have any other deeper takes on that. I don't know if you do either, but interesting choice going with Adidas. I guess an, another point – a Bulls point guard coming in and signing with Adidas. Hopefully there aren't any bad yeah. injuries or anything <laughs> or anything like that going there. Do you have any takes on Kobe White signing with Adidas? I'm like the least shoe person that follows the NBA going around. Like, I just don't give a crap about shoes at all. Same. So when I see sneakerheads sort of talking about all these different brands and different shoes, it just it, it makes no sense to me at all. So I've got no takes other than I hope this is uh, not a bad omen. Right, yeah. Uh, and then we we do have the FIBA World Cup coming up. Uh, Team USA has had a million dropouts. And because of those dropouts, Thaddeus Young was able to go uh, practice with Team USA in Las Vegas last week. He was officially cut, I believe, and I think they're down to like 15 players now. Uh, and then they have to make their final couple cuts before their final 12-man roster for the FIBA World Cup. Even though Thaddeus Young, I was never really expecting him to actually make that roster. I thought it was nice that they did invite him. I thought that the fact that they like recognized that the type of player uh, as a veteran leader. Uh, and so we've seen some of the quotes coming out of Vegas, and some of the stuff we just seen from, we've seen from Thaddeus Young in general. I feel like it's just the stuff that's really good for the Bulls and stuff that they really need, just him talking about leadership, him talking about bringing culture and helping the Bulls just kind of get back to respectability. Uh, I, feel like, I feel like that experience could be nothing but helpful for him and for the Bulls in general, just being around those coaches with Pop, with Steve Kerr, and all those other guys. And even with, even with the best superstars not being there uh, in Las Vegas, just kind of being around all the, still those other good players having Thaddeus Young there. I'm really looking forward to having Thaddeus Young on the Bulls. We've talked about him a bunch on this pod already, but um, just he's coming off a really good season. I feel like he's almost like the perfect veteran that this team could have gotten. And I know like a lot of people, when the Bulls signed him basically right at the start of free agency to three-year, $41 million deal, like Thaddeus Young's not a sexy name. You go, oh, that's whatever. Like he's, he's a nobody. Like he's just kind of a journeyman. Like if you look at the numbers and really break it down and kind of see what he, the impact that he's made of the Pacers, early in his career and you read some of the stuff that he's been saying just about like about the leadership you read about what the Pacers and like his teammates Pacers management said about him I feel like he's just a perfect signing for the Bulls and and I feel like exactly what they were looking for I know we make fun of Boylan and Paxson and their tough guy rah-rah kind of nonsense at times but I mean Thad Young it seems like he kind of fits right into that I'm glad he got this opportunity in Vegas I I guess do you have any other takes on just that what do you uh, make of Thad Young being at the Team USA camp and just what you kind of expect out of him moving forward with the Bulls. Well, I was disappointed that he didn't make the cut because the Team USA is coming out to Australia next week and they've got a couple of exhibition yeah. games against the uh, the Australian Boomers team ahead of the World Cup. So I was kind of hoping he would make the team so I could see him sort of get get on the court and see him playing. Obviously, we've seen Thad Young play in the NBA, so it's not necessarily a big loss, but it would have been nice to see a Chicago Bull out there. But exactly what you noted there. I mean, the stats aren't sexy. In a lot of ways, he's an Al Horford light, I think, to a, to a degree in the sense of the the role that he will have for the Bulls. Different players, obviously, but he's that veteran mentor. He's a guy that will come in and give you 12 and 6 and provide great defense, provide that mentorship. And particularly for a team like the Bulls who are rebuilding against or with two young bigs it's it's critical to have that sort of veteran in there that can help guide both of them and I think that's the best thing about that young and depending on if it's Larry Markner or Wendell Carter he makes sense for both of those players so 
that's why I wanted Taj Gibson because he made sense with either Lowry or Wendell Carter. I didn't expect that young because I just assumed the Pacers were keen on re-signing him and I didn't I didn't think that he was a possible option for the Bulls. But that is basically a better version than Taj at this point. So when the Bulls signed him, I was completely shocked. I wasn't expe- expecting it at all. It was the same thing with Sadoransky too. But uh, he's a perfect he's a perfect power forward to have on this roster for a young rebuilding team, particularly one rebuilding again uh, with Wendell Carter and Larry Markin. And like I said, he sort of fits next to Carter perfectly. If we think about Wendell Carter maybe morphing into um, a similar player as, as Turner in Indiana, then we've seen what, what, what Thad Young did with Turner. Obviously with Larry, you can push Larry up to center and you can have Thad um, slotting in at power forward. Maybe he defends centers, maybe Larry defends centers, de- depending on matchups. But it makes sense with Larry too. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm interested to see... Who starts? I, I, I think that'll be a talking point heading into the season. Obviously, we hope it's Lowry and Wendell, but given Wendell's sort of missed time here with some, with his ab injury here, that I don't know if that'll just change some things. Obviously, the Bulls have wanted to experiment with Lowry at center too, so I'm, I'm assuming they're going to start Lowry and Wendell, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's a Lowry and Thad Young move to at least to the start of the season. But he's like you said, he's just that professional who will come in and play the role, who will be that mentor and, and definitely that player that this young rebuilding team definitely needed, particularly after losing Rollo. Yep, basically agree with you. I, I, I would hope... With, that it is Lowry and Wendell, like you said. Uh, I would think. I, I guess. I guess. I guess we don't know for sure. Uh, but it sure seems. I feel like it's heading that way. I guess either way. Uh, the young guys still do have to earn it. That is a guy who's been around for a while. He's been used to starting. I feel like at this point in his career, he's probably okay coming off the bench. It'll definitely be something to look forward to. Real quick before we totally wrap up here. Since you're out in Australia, I feel like I've seen Ben Simmons in the headlines a lot. What the heck is going on with him out there? Not even like the casino thing, but I feel like the the Australian media media has been really going after him a lot. What's what's going on out there with Ben Simmons? Yeah, I mean, not to give you a complete history about the Australian media, but we have this thing. I'm not sure if it's a thing in, in the States too, but we, we have this thing called the tall poppy syndrome. And essentially what it is is... Basically, whenever a, an athlete or a celebrity, whoever it is, we, we love them up to a point and, and we basically, once they reach a certain point, we, we like to chop them down from there and bring them back down to our level. I don't know why why it happens here. It's, it's an inherent part of our culture, not just necessarily just in the media, but just generally amongst the community, amongst people as well. There's, I don't know if it's a streak of jealousy or whatever it is, but I don't know. It's a thing that happens and it's certainly a thing that's been happening to Ben Simmons. So... I don't know, maybe people aren't comfortable with him being too American. The fact that he's earning $240 million Australian, when you convert his contract to Australian dollars, it works out to be a quarter of a billion dollars. Maybe they don't like the fact that he's doing that. They don't like the fact that he's sort of not playing for the boomers in the World Cup. There's just sort of these certain talking points that have happened with Simmons that the, the media seemingly are, are taking a bit of a... Uh, well, they've got a bit of an axe to grind, I guess, and they're, they're forming a narrative against Ben Simmons, which has been completely shit, and it's been something that's um, annoyed me quite quite a lot so i don't know why they do it it's really annoying that he's, he's he's our best export in terms of an athlete right about now he's our best nba player i think he's our highest per, a paid athlete going around and along across across the world across all sports so i don't know why they have to be like this it's kind of stupid like for example in we, we've got AFL here, which is Australian Rules Football. He He's a Essendon supporter, so he was there su- supporting his team, but then he was seen sort of wearing another ju- another team's jumper, and then he was at another team's facility doing a bit of a media th- 
media tour and people were having a go at him for wearing different jumpers and not sticking with one team so it, it's really fickle stuff and it's, it's quite ridiculous but um i don't know why we do it here in australia it's kind of lame that we do that with our big exports but um yeah ben simmons has been in the news for the wrong reasons not necessarily for his own doing but more so australian media being just douchebags essentially <laughs> yeah i guess i mean it happens i feel like it almost happens everywhere depending on certain outlets and all that stuff uh yeah i just i feel like i've seen it all over it's like just crapping over Ben Sims. I'm like, take it easy, guys. My God. Uh, yeah, that's about it for, I think, it for us uh, this week. Mark, thank you so much for joining me. Please tell the people where we could find your pod and just you on Twitter and where you can find all your stuff. Yeah, well, thanks for having me firstly, but uh, they don't have to look too far away because obviously Bulls HQ is part of the Blue Wire network as well. So once you've done listening to Cash Considerations, head over to uh, to wherever you get your, your, your podcast, be it Apple or, or Android. Look for Bulls HQ, find me there, hit the subscribe button, tune into the show, follow me on Twitter at MKHoops, and uh, yeah, you can keep up with all the Bulls content that way. Yeah, awesome. Thanks again so much for coming on. And again, uh, cash considerations, please, like like Mark mentioned for his pod, please come rate, review us uh, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, all that fun stuff. Please, as always, go check out all the other great pods in the Blue Wire Network. We are working really hard. We're adding pods, just a bunch of sports, all, all these other things as well. So please go check out BlueWire.com and all, all our podcasts. Go check, follow us on Twitter at BlueWirePods. Uh, like I said, a lot of good stuff there. We're really ramping up our Twitter presence, especially now with, with the season coming up pretty soon. We'll be doing a lot of fun stuff there as well. So, again, please go listen to Mark's podcast. Bulls HQ is great. Go follow all. I know we still does some stuff at Bloggable as well with the Bulls coming up. Uh, and again, this has been Cash Considerations. For Mark, this has been Jason. I think Ricky should be back next week. So have a good one, guys. Take it easy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.